0: Greenhouse people. Can you believe it's the 100th episode of the Tech on Demand podcast brought to you by the fine folks at Grower Talks magazine? Well, it is. And this is going to be a special one. If you don't receive Grower Talks and green profit every month, head over to growertalks.com and subscribe. The magazine has been a pillar of the industry for more than 75 years, and it's about time you join the club. And speaking of subscribing, be sure to subscribe to the Tech on Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, and more. And if you have an extra minute to leave us a positive review, that would be awesome. Every little bit helps our algorithms and allows us to reach more greenhouse professionals. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and for the 100th episode, I wanted to have some fun while also digging into a wide range of topics related to horticulture and I knew exactly who to wrangle into being a guest. Truthfully, it really didn't take much wrangling, and he was easy for me to find. The guest is none other than my buddy, Chris Bates. Over the next 30 to 40 minutes, get ready to hear stories. Stories of a greenhouse business in Florida, going fast on a skateboard and in cars around the world, memorable interviews, and his early days with grower talks, Almost being stranded in a German train station, thoughts on the future of the floriculture industry, and his quest for a two-pronged pitchfork. Um, yeah, this podcast covers a lot. But first, Chris's bio, which I will read in an official-sounding voice. Chris Bates is editor-in-chief of Grower Talks and Green Profit Magazines and author of the widely-read weekly e-newsletter Acres Online, which reaches nearly 27,000 horticulture industry members in 66 countries. Chris is a graduate of the University of Florida with a degree in journalism and a minor in ornamental horticulture. A former Florida greenhouse owner with his wife, Lori, Chris has been with Ball Publishing since 1993. In that position, he travels the U.S. and the world to stay current on the latest horticultural production, marketing, retailing technologies and trends. Highlights of his career thus far include interviewing King Willem-Alexander of the Netherlands and emceeing the International Grower of the Year Awards seven times in Germany. I know that sounded pretty formal, but that's where the formality ends. It's time to have some fun, and here's some stories. Okay, let's get this on the table before we begin. Chris is my boss and the editor-in-chief of Ball Publishing. He's one of my mentors, and most importantly, he's my friend, and we've worked together in some way for almost 20 years. I say this to let you know, if you tuned in to hear a discussion about the ins and outs of crop production, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you want to hear a fun conversation with a guest who's one of the best storytellers I know and is about to tell us a bunch of stories, you're in the right place In fact, we're recording this live across the desk from each other, which makes it a lot of fun. Chris knows a lot, a little about a lot of things, and a lot about plenty more things. Bossman Beadies, welcome to the podcast.
1: Jack of all trades, master of none, isn't that what they say?
0: It's kind of what we all want to be. I have,
1: I have grown crops. It's been thirty plus years uh, since I actually owned a greenhouse. You know, it's one of the few people who can. Do it and write about it at the same time, I guess.
0: And that's a perfect segue, because I was going to tell the listeners that you've been in the industry for a long time, and, and like you said, it all started at a little greenhouse in Florida. Why don't you tell us a story about Indian River Ornamentals?
1: Tell us a story about Indian River Ornamentals. Any, that was our, uh, my wife, Lori, and, and uh, my business fresh out of college, uh, Literally, I think three days after we graduated, we started the greenhouse. We had a combined work experience of a weekend each at a local florist that had a big Mother's Day sale, and that was it. Um, but uh, but the first thing I'll tell you about Indian River Ornamentals is where the name comes from. Our business was located on, well, virtually on the Indian River in Brevard County, Florida, and Indian River Citrus is world famous. Mm-hmm. And we thought we should capitalize on that Indian River name, Indian River Citrus, which my family used to grow, my wife's family used to grow, Indian Indian River Ornamentals. 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 And why ornamentals? Well, because my wife had a degree in ornamental horticulture, and we thought that covered everything.
0: So she really knows horticulture. Your degree was not in horticulture. uh, Journalism
1: with a minor in ornamental horticulture, a minor meaning I did take plant ID 1 and 2, so I've got a lot of uh, uh, species names running through my head. I often get the... Genus and species mixed up, <laughs> as to which goes with which. Uh, but I do know a few good ones. Petalanthus tithomoloides, Quisqualis indica, Butea capitata is the first one I ever learned, or the pindo palm, I think that's what that is. Um, but it, So that was why we named it Indian River Ornamentals. Um, and, uh, at, uh, but one of my journalism colleagues, fellow students, knew I was going to start this greenhouse business. Neither of us knew what that was, mind you, but that's what I was going to do. He said... You should name it Chris and the Mums.
0: Ooh. It's like a band
1: name. Chris and the Mums, because we were going to grow chrysanthemums. We did grow like chrysanthemums. It. We were not a foliage grower. Either. We were a potted plant grower. Um, all the traditional florist crops. They used to be traditional florists back then. Mm-hmm. So we drew, grew uh, uh, pot mums, weekly pot mums. gloxinias, Exicum, all from Earl J. Smalls. Remember Beautiful. those guys? Oh, yeah. um, poinsettias. Of course, that was our first ever poinsettia, uh, First ever crop was, uh, was poinsettias. Cutting straight from the Eki Ranch. And you All delivered them. them yourself. That right? 1983, we were we loaded them that first crop in the back of my father-in-law's pickup truck to deliver. Then we bought a van, and maybe a year or after that we bought our first box truck. So yeah. And then we would load the truck up. This was going this is going way back. We might have been, been might as well have been like post-World War II, because we ran truck routes. We would load our van with whatever was in bloom that day. And drive a route to florists. Shop to shop. Shop to shop. And, and the three garden centers that existed in central Florida at the time. And let them buy right off the truck. No orders. Very, very often. Other wow. than the holidays, nobody ordered anything. They just waited for us to drive around. They'd pick a couple of pot mums, a like gloxinia. Pay me uh, twelve dollars for the three of them. Were
0: they using Square or Venmo? How were they paying you?
1: Uh, they weren't paying us.
0: Oh. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> not until pay by scan.
1: not until kind of it. What kind of was? And uh, you you learned to figure out when the uh, when the uh, uh, the floral checks came out from the wire services um, like FTD and stuff because mm-hmm. that's that's when you got paid. Right. You know they were really good about that. Well, I'll get you next week, next month, next year. So. Anyway, wow. that, was, that was my experience with Indian River ornamentals. I get another story for Indian River ornamentals about the insanity that the, the potted plant business, especially points Poinsettias. We're recording this at of time. Everybody's just going crazy right now. We did the same. One night late, we were loading like the fifth load of the day, getting it ready for the next morning. My two employees were bringing plants out of the greenhouse in sleeves, putting them at the back of the truck so we could load them on. And um, my wife, Lori, said, we need a dozen plants for Mrs. So-and-so. All right. So one of my guys went and got a dozen plants. And um, uh, but he wasn't done pulling them. And she was already counting them and said, wait, wait, stop. We have enough. No, no, we need two, two more. She said, no, we have enough. No, we need two more. And then she counted two, four, six, eight, twelve. See, we've got enough. We've got mm-hmm. a dozen. No, we need two more. No, no, two, four, six, eight, twelve. And we all stopped and looked at her. Right and said, Are you hearing yourself? What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> two four six eight twelve. It was stressful.
0: <laughs> I bet, I bet. Well, and it also kind of brings brings to mind the need for really close accuracy when it comes to shipping. <laughs> and uh, probably counting two four six eight twelve uh might not always work out too well. And that was our inventory system right there.
1: We were small. You mentioned small. We were pretty small.
0: <laughs> you were small, and uh, and you did How long did you run the business for?
1: Uh, a little over nine years.
0: Okay, okay. And, so it, and, and it was growing every year.
1: We could have kept going, but it was such a hard way to make a living, especially in Florida. Yeah. And uh, we just decided, you know what? This Running our own business is not for us.
0: And we wanted to go work
1: for somebody else.
0: Okay, and then at some point you ended up in... Chicago with ball publishing which had a leg which was a legacy business I mean the magazine you currently run grower talks started in the 30s which is awesome and obviously you weren't there for the first issue <sighs> I wish I had the,
1: been that right
0: <laughs> ended, but you inherited <laughs> like I said a true legacy publication you've been in charge of grower talks for a while now so tell me a story about the early days your early days of grower talks
1: uh, you know I thought about that and um the, the, the best story I have from growers, and there's been many little incidents. I mean, you've been there for some mm-hmm. of them, you know. Um, in fact, I think I have one jotted down here someplace, you and you and me out on the road. Um, but, uh, but I have great, great coworkers. They, they love to rag on you, play games with you, but they love you. Mm-hmm. And I learned that in Europe. I learned two things in Europe. First off, that my coworkers really care about me. And second, that the trains run on time. So if it says it's going to leave at 8.01, it leaves at 8.01, and it it arrives at 8. And uh, this happened in Germany. We were finishing up the IPM Essen show, me and three colleagues, and um, we got to the train station. We had maybe 15, 20 minutes before the train came, and we were starved. So I said, I'm going to stop in at this little shop in the train station and get some bread, meat, and cheese, and a bottle of wine for us to enjoy on our two-hour train ride uh, to Frankfurt. Okay, cool. So I'm in line. There's a lot of people in line. i look at my watch. I'm still in line. It's getting closer to 8 o'clock. And it was, then it was like 8 o'clock and I realized, man, I, I better get up there and catch the train, you know? So I dropped the stuff I was going to buy and went up there. And the formerly full platform is now vacant. No trains, uh-huh. no people, no luggage, no nothing. Just vacant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 8.01 and I'm like, Where'd the train go? Well, the trains leave at 8.00. o'clock. They get there at 8.00 and they leave at 8.01. There's no messing around, you know? And and I'm sort of panicking. And I'm pacing back and forth with my hands on my head, trying to keep it from exploding, wondering, what do I do? And then I see a big board over here with train schedules and stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they got on the train. I got to get on the next train. And as I'm studying the big board, I hear giggling. Mm -hmm. And then I notice three sets of eyes peering from behind this board. (laughs) And I hear more giggling. It's my three co-workers watching, you back freak in, out. watching me freak out. How they stifled their laughter before that, I don't know, because truly there was pacing with hands literally on head. Uh, I could still feel that, you know, the heart-sinking experience. But um,
0: Did you go uh, back and so, get the so, food so happened? what I well was I
1: said, oh I said, I said, Oh, we didn't miss the train? Oh no, we missed the train. We all missed the train. So they missed it with me. Oh, Had our bags there. And at that point, I said, well, let me go back and get us a really good meal of bread and wine and cheese and, uh, wine, uh more wine. Yeah. <laughs> and we, um, and we enjoyed it for two hours on the platform, waiting for the next train right. to come.
0: And you but you so, made it to Frankfurt. Eventually.
1: We made it. We made it eventually. So that's um, you know, you, you, when you travel a lot, you, you, you have all sorts of little things that happen. But they just blur into one thing or another. Um, it doesn't even matter, and you know, when you have these odd little things that happen, because it's all about getting out there, getting the story, bringing it back, and telling the story to all of our readers. That's that's what keeps me going,
0: you know. And, and being flexible and <laughs> rolling, rolling with the punches, because I would imagine how how long have you been? We grower Talks?
1: 30 years in a month now, I guess. And wow. in the industry, 40 years. So wow. I just celebrated my 30th, 30th year here.
0: And neither of us are going to do the math, but that's a lot of monthly <laughs>
1: issues
0: of Grower Talks. Uh,
1: I got There's a calculator here
0: someplace. Right, 12
1: times 30. 12 times Wait, it's got to be almost, because uh, I had that many. No, it's, that was a weekly newsletter. Let's see, 12 times 30. Um, yeah, we're not good at this. That's 360 plus supplementals, things like that. 400 issues wow. or something like that. Wow.
0: That's, that, that is amazing. Do you, have any, uh, do you have any favorite issues you've worked on or maybe just a favorite issue every year? Or
1: No, but the, the earliest ones where I actually got the cover photo. Okay. Because that was a big deal to actually take a photo. And this is day you didn't have phones. I mean, it was film. You had to send it out to get processed. We were doing all slide film at the time. And, and uh, not being able to see on site, hey, d- did that photo come out? And I had taken photojournalism in college. So to actually take a good photo that was cover-worthy and see it on the cover of the magazine, that was pretty exciting. And I've got still somewhere around here um, three framed ones that were like the very earliest from 1994 95 or something like that. So I've always liked that. Uh, Good stories. Had some great interviews over time. Interviewed some of the biggest operations. Uh, Got to interview Paul Leckie Jr. uh, just maybe a few months before he passed away in a photograph I took of him during that interview was used at his uh, his memorial service. So just the, the 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 people I've got to meet and interview it's been quite an honor. That's
0: awesome. There's do, some do you know came, here's a tricky question. Do you know the first cover story I ever wrote? I
1: should because
0: it, uh, oh, it, oh, it was not with it was not with
1: hair. That was no it's what I shouldn't know because nobody ever read that. Nobody knows. They that. did
0: and it was Earl J. Small. Going and right see, back to your ex. I'm down in Pinellas days. Park, Florida. Yep, no joke. They had a new inventory software of some sort that made them cover worthy in addition to the great properties. And I bought from
1: them for nine years, but I never went over to the place.
0: I was there at least twice.
1: Now they're out of business now. They are are probably your problem.
0: (laughs) Uh, You hired me, and one of my first days on the job, we got on a plane and flew to California for. What was then path trials? I
1: think it was your second day on the job. Yeah, and yeah.
0: I remember, uh, yeah, it was kind of a trial by fire. Spend like, a week well, with your new boss. My new boss. We're going to spend a week together. And you, you've covered the the California trials a, a ton of different times, and you covered them back in the days of film cameras and camcorders. And I mean, you were probably one of the first ones to cover the trials with video, probably the first one. Why don't you tell me a story about path trials? <laughs>
1: Well, the the biggest thing, thinking back on pack trials, and I've done, I did the math, took a while because none of us are good at math around yeah. here. If we're good writers. Uh, twenty nine times it would have been thirty times, but the pandemic twenty twenty, right. there pack PAC trials were canceled, literally a week before we were supposed to fly out there mm-hmm. to them, and we had to to uh, to uh, change positions and do them all online. Yep. So in a way, we did pack trials just from our computers, not from you know. Uh, a rental car out in California, but the, what I remember most uh, is is how easy they used to be, mm. even before your time. Because when you started in, with me in two thousand and yeah. five, four, five, two thousand five, oh, oh, yeah, oh, five, thereabouts, yeah, um, there that was like almost the peak of the number of trials you yeah. had to cover. We started way down at Eki and euro American and uh, and all those southern trials, then up to the central, then to the north. I think there were eighteen or twenty stops, and as many as almost sixty companies he had to cover. Yeah. it was a it was a whirlwind. Was Eleven
0: days, but
1: on. I think so. But at the time, you'd you'd work from eight eight or eight thirty in the morning till five or five thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. Then you'd relax.
0: We you were kind of
1: done. We ate barbecue. You ate barbecue and relaxed and hung out and, and didn't have to worry about anything. And um, and it was even easier before that because there was nothing but seed. There were a few couple two vegetative companies participating. One was Golden State Bulb Company, and the other was, was Ball Flora Plant. Right. Everybody else was seed. There were about nine or ten companies total exhibiting. You had two weeks to cover the whole trials. In fact, I'd fly out there Thursday, visit on Thursday and Friday, take the weekend off. Everybody took the weekend off. Played golf, hang out in San Francisco, then pick up again Monday morning, work for a few days, and then go home. Two trials a day, a couple of dozen seed annuals to look at. It's... Talk about one petunia for 45 minutes <laughs> and its various, you know, traits and attributes and things like that. And then, you, yeah, you go out for drinks and a nice dinner afterwards. Then the second year that you and I traveled, <clears throat> I had this crazy idea, or maybe you did, or maybe we both did. Because you had just launched a news- newsletter yeah. called Buzz for yeah. Retailers.
0: Buzz was new.
1: Which complemented Acres Online, my newsletter. And, um, and we said, gosh, whenever we went to California, combined our newsletters, we both wrote newsletters. And sent them right, right from the road. Yep. Hey, what yeah. a great idea! And Flash we'll just coverage. we'll write it during dinner, mm-hmm. and it was great fun. And I think we did that just the one time, you and I. Maybe uh, maybe twice. <laughs> maybe two, two times years in a row. We did that. But really, that was the beginning of the end, young William, right. of the of the you know relax, play golf, goof <laughs> off, pack trials of my early days. Because now it's uh, it's worked from eight till five in the trials. Grab something to eat, and then four or five hours, if you're lucky, in a hotel room with several other editors, editing video, writing, editing photos. You get to bed at midnight, and then six a.m. You're back up to do it all. The again. Fourteen hour <laughs> fourteen hour days of
0: work, <laughs> easily. yes. which is fun, and we we do have a lot of fun. But I do remember coming back to Ball <laughs> Publishing a few years ago, going out there with the group to to do all that work, and it was. I mean, that is quite an experience, but I think it's worth it. Don't you think it's worth it?
1: I hope the folks out there who get to, you know, read our coverage, watch the videos, look at the photos, they do seem to appreciate it. And it goes around the world. So people around the world reply to us that they're able to keep up with what's happening in almost real time. If we could find a way to automate it, sort of like do it from the trials while we're walking around, just let them see what we see. And then we could go back to, you know, a nice leisurely dinner and a glass of wine and go to bed at 10 o'clock. Wow, that'd be a great thing. Maybe AI can do it for us.
0: Mm, I don't think I'm going to trust AI to, to cover new new varieties uh, for all of our uh, partners and, and advertisers I don't think they're gonna like that when when I started with ball publishing again probably right before we went to pack trials and I might have even asked you this question on our way I brought up something about baseball and I In in baseball opening day is right around when Pack Trials is, and I mentioned something about baseball, probably wanting to go to a place that had baseball on TV, and you told me that you are not into stick-and-ball sports. I remember that. I use those words? You said, yeah, I'm not really into (laughs) stick-and-ball sports. I like two-wheel and four-wheel sports.
1: Did I say that?
0: You you said those exact words. And then I saw your Corvette and your dirt bike. And I thought, oh yeah, he's really into two wheel and four wheel sports. So, tell me a story about going fast.
1: You mean baseball's not fast?
0: Baseball's fast, but I want to hear about <laughs> fast on wheels. Fast could be a fast skateboard on
1: wheels. Well, there was a time I was uh, getting towed with a ski rope behind a friend's motorcycle, <laughs> and he he was holding up fingers to indicate his speed. Two. That was pretty good. As soon as he had three fingers up, we're not talking three miles an hour, we're talking yes. 30 down my neighborhood, I got the speed wobbles. Ooh. And uh, rather than dive into the grass, I didn't quite make the grass, I hit the pavement, and that was a lot of road rash. That oh was pretty painful. Um, I've gone fast with somebody in the industry, Wolfgang Engelman, the late Wolfgang Engelman, who was a great friend of mine, and a gearhead like none other in the business. Every six months, he'd call me up to tell me about his new car, whether it was a Porsche Turbo, or in this case it was a Corvette ZR1. It's like a 600 horsepower oh, Corvette yeah. and he took me for a ride for it on one of the highways uh, north of Orlando and I believe we hit 165 in that wow. briefly. So that was uh that was pretty fast. And uh something you would relate to, I once ran a 5K uh at a 6:23 mile That's pace. Fine. That's 19:46 yep. is my is my PR, my personal record.
0: For a 5k 5k we are under 20 and and I'm guessing you were not 20 years old when you I was that either.
1: 43 maybe or something like that so 20 that was still 20 years ago so but
0: that's that's a good time is that, is that good is that okay that, that's good that's that's a really good time 160 I feel like when we were in Germany covering IPM we had a rental Mercedes and I'm pretty sure you went that on one of the highways in Germany, at least I felt like I was going hundred and sixty miles it an hour. Not colo- it was probably kilometers it was,
1: was kilometers per hour, probably. Okay. Which All is right. still okay. okay, but not but, doing uh,
0: the math. But it was fast. And uh yeah. I, I but I'll always remember that. I'm not into sticky <laughs> ball sports. I'm into two wheel, four wheel you know, sports. Well here's why I, I like that.
1: Here's the why with the other sports. Nothing against them, but being raised in Florida mm-hmm. as a kid in the seventies and late sixties, the only professional sports team was the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. The only baseball was spring training, and we had the Expos in in West Palm, um, and I think I went to one of those games all the time, because my dad wasn't really into okay. those kind of sports either, which also influences, you're right, although he loved the Dolphins, but he probably watched more golf on TV than anything. Is that a stick and ball sport?
0: I, guess, yes, is. I mean, is yeah, I golf guess it's sport. both. <laughs> it's kind of I like golf.
1: I mean, I had a 10 handicap at one time, if anybody cares. Uh, but there was no no baseball uh, or no professional baseball, no basketball, no ice hockey, none of that other stuff. Here in Chicago, every kid is raised having multiple teams. And, if you yeah. you know, you get thrown out of the state if you're not, you know, a, 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 a ball fan. And it just didn't happen for me. I was surfing and skateboarding, playing the drums and stuff, and kind of missed out on all that stuff. So
0: I don't think you missed out on it because you, you had plenty of fun. I've heard a lot of your uh, childhood stories. You, you did what every kid should do, get out there and play in the dirt.
1: I still do. As you well know, I still have my, I still
0: have my childhood skateboard
1: uh, and a surfboard as a matter of fact.
0: uh, Hopefully you get to use it again one day and you cover the industry every day. And that's one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you are deeply invested in the industry. You have uh, amazing gardens at home. Your wife's a horticulturist. You you are just in the industry 24 seven. And last week, if you're listening to this in real time, I believe it was last week or the week before, your e-newsletter, Acres Online, celebrated its 20th anniversary, which is like a 1,000 editions. I mean, it's really a tremendous milestone, and that's a lot of history to draw from. But I'm not, I don't want to look backwards. Tell me a story about horticulture, horticulture in 2050.
1: Twenty fifty. Well, I'll, I'll be ninety years old, so I'll, I, I won't be slowing. I'll be slowing down a little bit. I'm still, still gonna be writing. I'll still be,
0: still Tell me the story. <laughs> twenty fifty horticulture. What's going on?
1: Well, um, thinking about it, and and one way to think about it, like, well, gosh, how, how am I gonna know what what it might look like? What might change? Well, try going backwards. So we're in twenty twenty four right now. If it was nineteen ninety eight, and you said, you know, well. What's it gonna look like in 2024? Well, now we do know what it looks like. Right. So you can kind of say, well, what was going on then? What's going on now? And if I do that, I can say that, well, you know, there's been there's been some changes. Technology's a little different, the markets changed a little bit as far as who 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 the players are. Some of some new companies are in, others have gone out. Um, you know, but 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 nothing earth-shattering, mm-hmm. nothing major. And then if you go even further back, you go to uh, 20 uh, or 1972, and from there to, to 1998, well, more changes, but even even then, it's still incremental. And what I realized is you're going to have incremental changes. So I don't think 2050 is going to look much different than than right now does, other than some technologies will come in that will help us be more efficient, you know, whether it's environmental control technologies. I think that's where you'll see AI. People are so hot on AI. AI is just data. It's it's nothing more than that. It's not robots coming to take over your job. It's just data, and how do you how do you kind of crunch that data? And I think there'll be some tools that trickle down to us that make it a little easier to be efficient and knowledgeable. So knowledgeable about say your computer, your your, excuse me, greenhouse environment, um, or other aspects of your business. Still going to be hard to find labor. It was hard to find labor back then, and people who want to work in a hot greenhouse, it's not going to get any easier. And we'll have tools that help us. You know, get around having labor. or And we'll get more creative with, well, how do you get somebody who can work part-time, you know, and, you know, more flex time, those kinds of things. Um, we're going to have more online plant sales because mm-hmm. that's the coming market, just like from 98 to, to now, more, more mass market sales. But, you know, garden centers haven't gone away. They've gotten more robust in certain ways because of the competition, and they still will. Um, more, more business and environmental regulations that's just coming. It's going to be more expensive to do business. Guarantee that. But in the end, uh, it, it's it's still going to be uh, us growing plants, beautiful plants, and consumers buying them. Yep. And the only thing that's going to stop that is bad weather. <laughs> that's that's what's going to happen right there. Me, I'll be I'll be somewhere writing my newsletter because nobody else wants to take it over. I mean, you are not champing at the bit to uh, say, no. come on, Chris, let me let me take over Acres Online for a decade no. or two.
0: Unless it's assigned to me, <clears throat> then I'll do it. <laughs> you but, you uh, would I'm do not, it. You would do, but would do it, but nobody wants to. And, you know,
1: I'll still go to pack trials because if, you know, Ball Publishing wants to pay me to travel around the world and write about flowers, I'd be crazy to retire from that. And I'll show up at Short Course and make a nuisance of myself. Just call it Short Course. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
0: And, and and I would agree. I think all of these things are still going to be in place. And, and you're right. You look back, and what's changed are the tools and the technology. But the plants. I mean, you look back at grower talks from the 1940s. You
1: if you still do that math, it would, it would be it would be 1946 yeah. to 72. Right. So go back there. All the the one constant besides growing and retailing yeah. and the weather is a grower. Mm-hmm. You got to have. A, caring, nurturing person at the end of the hose or on that bench growing that plant. And, you know, I've uh, recently, I've watched outfits like MIT and others try to use AI and and computers to grow plants where they stick a seed or a cutting in a box, close the door, and they say, well, if we just provide all the right parameters and an, an an algorithm when we open that door in 30 days, there's going to be a beautiful plant. And they open the door in 30 days, and they find mush. Right. No,
0: so <laughs> you know, it's so true. And
1: so I think that, uh, I, don't think, I don't see anything that's going to change from from there being a demand for good human growers aided by technology mm-hmm. to produce our, our crops.
0: Good quality crops.
1: That's right. And that's what
0: people are going to buy. That's right. And
1: we're an anecdote to all of that technology, mm-hmm. all the artificial intelligence, um, you know. We're, we're the best product on the planet. Plants. The pla- The longer you have a plant, the better it is for, for the Earth. Right? That's true. Name original. another original. Name another product other than beer and pizza that does as much <laughs>
0: for the planet than a, than a nice uh, house plant. The cause of and solution to all of life's problems.
1: I heard somebody say that once.
0: Anything? Anything that we missed? Is there anything you want to share before we wrap up? Do you have any... Great words of wisdom for the listeners, knowing that a lot of the listeners of this podcast are newer to the industry. I'm going
1: to ask you that. What do I always say? You're really good at quoting me. So you tell me some of my words of wisdom.
0: Uh, We're not here to make people angry. We're here to put food on the table. That's (laughs) a great word of wisdom. That's that's, that's
1: for not getting sued while making the uh, magazine. (laughs) Uh, uh
0: always <laughs> remember your readers i mean that's uh you've always you're all about customer service and that's something we talk about at ball a lot is you know it's good for the grower mm-hmm. and i think that ball publishing reflects that mm-hmm. i think you're you're a good boss because you give people the freedom to do what they're good at and one of the best pieces of advice is that you've given me which is really why this podcast is even here is just try it you know if if it doesn't work Oh wow! Try something different.
1: Yeah, I love watching uh, uh, how-to shows on TV, and there's a great one, um, uh, "Escape to the Chateau."
0: Okay.
1: And it's some spin-offs uh, called um, "Chateau DIY," and these are Brits who've bought French chateaus mm. and are fixing them up. That's one thing to fix up a you know a 1940s you know saltbox in Cape Cod or something, but when you get a 48 room chateau in the wine region and have to fix it up. And a new slate roof costs you half a million euros. <laughs> that's all other ball game. And one of the things that uh, that one of the, the the hosts April says, and she's she's a, an avid uh, hobbyist and DIYer. She she says I'm not I'm not uh, naturally good at these things. I'm just not afraid to give it a go. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, I'm a firm believer in you know giving it a go. So uh, whatever it is, whether it's publishing, writing, photography, welding, I've got a hundred hobbies. You know, because I'm not afraid to give it a go. And to go buy the fancy tools you need to do it. So.
0: Well, uh, that, and that's a good excuse to, to go and buy those fancy <laughs> tools, but then you get better at it the well, more you do it. Yeah. It's kind of like writing. It's kind of like growing plants. Yeah. It's what, all about your experience. There's
1: one other. What else do I say? I also say you don't make money
0: growing plants. You make money selling plants. There you go. And I <laughs> actually say that in quite a, quite a few talks I give, and people kind of stop and think about that, and then they, then they agree because it is all about creating – Creating a great product, meeting the demand that that, that you can, and, and then growing that demand because you got to make more money every year.
1: Yeah, somebody else recently put it: you, you turning plants into money. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, we're just turning plants into money, right? Sounds a little more sorted that way, but uh, you know, but that's that's really what we're here to here to do. And and one of my favorite sayings comes from Anna Ball, and that is: for every trend, there's a counter trend. Right. And so anytime some people are asking me about what are the trends, what's the, and everybody's looking for the next thing they ought to be doing. I'm always reminding them, if everybody's overdoing that, you want to do the other thing, you know. And if what you are is a small business who barely has a website and it's just, you know, you and your wife or you and your husband or whatever, just, you know, barely getting by. Well, the one thing you can do that very few others anywhere are doing is growing mind-blowing plants right the quality that you can that you can do if you put the time and energy into it something nobody does because they don't have the time or energy to do it it's so, true yeah. and
0: that's i think those are all excellent words of advice uh for all sure. of i should listening. write a
1: column about all that stuff i'm gonna make some notes here you probably, probably
0: should yeah make that your next column yeah. in fact i just heard what your next column is and i think that this might be a better approach <laughs> well chris thank you so much for your time um hopefully you've had fun I think we should do this more often,
1: Young William, as I like to call you. Uh, we always have fun together, do we? Do we not?
0: We absolutely do. And uh, for the listeners, I think uh, it might it might expect some more of these Bill and Chris podcasts. We'll <laughs> let's have to see how it goes.
1: Let's talk Zippo lighters and um, woodworking. and woodworking, antique musical instruments, uh, antique garden tools. Uh, if anybody out there has a two prong pitchfork. I'm desperate for one to add to my three, four, and five-prong collection.
0: I'm convinced that thing doesn't exist. I've I, looked I, in hundreds I, of antique shops for the last few years for this item. I was watching
1: an episode of All Creatures Great and Small, the new one, and in the background was a two-prong pitchfork. I almost leapt off the sofa and pointed out, and Lori said, yeah, I see it. What's there the benefit of that England. over a
0: three-prong? Well, like, here's the thing. It's, it's
1: it's actually a hay fork. Okay. And you, you want to pick up the hay, pitch it right. onto the wagon or right. into the, you know, um... What do you put the hay in and I feed it? it was, some farmer would know what you put it in. Anyway, you don't need more prongs than that. Hmm. It just causes extra friction, I think. Plus, if you're cheap, it's more iron in there. That's so you can make a two pronger. I wonder if there's a one prong pitchfork. That's what I'm waiting it's called for. Called
0: a spear or a spike. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't I, anyway, I don't know. I got to wrap my head around this two prong pitchfork, I, but I'm you know, going to find one for you.
1: I do have I, a large collection know. of antique garden tools. I am proud of. It.
0: It's true, and, it, and it's impressive, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see pictures of it someday all displayed in your uh, in your new home. But until then, I am Bill Calkins with Tech On Demand, reminding you to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, and just about every other one. That way you'll never miss an episode. And then jump back in the archives, because there are now 100 episodes like this one. Well, maybe not as conversational. There are 100 episodes to check out, and they're all packed with useful information. Chris, thank you very much. I
1: think we should start talking about the 200th episode. What can we talk about then?